Last Sunday, we heard that the stone had been rolled away. The body of Christ was gone. And now a week later, we're not sure what we're supposed to do. The unexpected happened. Mary Magdalene, along with the other Mary, went to the tomb expecting to anoint Jesus' lifeless body. But when the women arrived, an angel of the Lord told them, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. The angel said, He is not here, for he has been raised. Come and see the place where he lay. The angel told the women, the dead man you are looking for is gone. And if you don't believe me that the dead man is gone, come and see. His burial clothes are folded up neatly, laid in the tomb. Reverend Fleming Rutledge, the Beyonce of the Episcopal Church, reminds us that no one goes to a cemetery then or today expecting to find the dead raised. So today, we find ourselves a week removed from the pomp and circumstance of God's grand defeat of death. And if we're being honest with ourselves, it sort of feels like we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. After all, Christmas comes in the middle of our winter break. It's at the end of the calendar year. So even if you do not have children in school and you do not get that last week of winter break, More often than not, your office work is slowing down for the year. It gives you a chance to reorient yourselves at the discovery of God dwelling among us in a baby. But Easter, Easter for many of us comes at the end of spring break with no real break before we go back to work. And more often than not, we're going back to work before the Easter decorations are even packed away. After the lilies, praise be to God, are gone and the crumbs from the communion bread have been cleaned cleaned up, it's expected of us that we will return to life as it was before Mary and the other Mary's grand announcement. But everything is different now. Yet, while everything is different, everything feels the same. And this tension can leave us with a post-Easter hangover. Everything's different now. And 1 Peter reminds us that by God's great mercy, we have been given new birth, the same new birth that Braden just received into a living hope. Hope that can only come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ's conquering the dead. New birth into a living hope. Over the coming weeks, we are going to explore how the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope and how we can come to know this hope well enough to recognize it when we see it in our own community so that we can celebrate every day with the same vigor as we did last Sunday. So this week we begin with joy. This is the first Sunday of Eastertide the 50 days after Easter. And it's a time for the church to marvel in the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before Easter, to seek the living among the dead would be a ridiculous suggestion. 
But when Mary and Mary went to the tomb, new life shined out into the darkness beyond the grave. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's grand reversal. What came before Easter Sunday? The violence and the death of Good Friday. The fear and despair experienced by the disciples as they scattered and hid. All of that is no more. And we, every single one of us, as resurrection people, we live with the knowledge that the trials and the suffering we and others experience are no more. No more because of the faithfulness of God in Jesus Christ. The words written in 1 Peter were dispatched to a community under scrutiny. The recipients of this letter were Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians. And these non-Jewish Gentile Christians would whisper a benediction after worship for fear of family and neighbors, never dreaming of a Sennheiser microphone or really, really nice Bose speakers. This was a fearful community afraid that they might be discovered as followers of a minority religion, a suspect faith. The recipients of this letter were looked upon with suspicion as they moved about their community, not just during worship. They didn't feel safe in their own homes or in their places of work. In a world where they questioned going into hiding, contemplating taking their faith and their Easter celebration underground, they were told in this letter to rejoice. Rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. Rejoice because by the grand mercy of God, we have received a new birth into a living hope. And that new living hope is the Easter gift. It's a promise sweeter than anything the Easter bunny left in Pastor Sarah's Easter basket last Sunday. This is a gift grander than Dr. Brian playing the organ or the guitar riffs that Pastor Jeff practiced for weeks. This gift is new life, new life that is not based on our merits, new life that is not earned through the trials we suffer or the good deeds we accomplish. No, this new life is a gift that comes through the power of God in Jesus Christ. And friends, our response to this gift is joy. The joy that we experienced around the baptismal font this morning. The joy that we experience when we come forward and receive bread and wine. Joy that extends beyond Easter Sunday. Because the grace of God extends beyond the table, beyond the font, beyond this building, permeating every nook and cranny of our lives. Robert Capon wrote, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He has taken the cleanup entirely into his own hands. He has just gone and done it without waiting for us. And he invites us simply to trust that he has accomplished it all for us in Jesus. And to proclaim that trust by acting as though we really believe it. My mentor, 
and Christian ethicist Stanley Hauerwas writes, the joy that we experience on Easter is not just personal, it's social. It's a joy that we share with others. To act as though we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we believe the Apostles' Creed that we recited last Sunday. To live as resurrection people pulls us out of hiding and thrusts us into a state of joy that causes people to stop and wonder, what is in the water at that church? What is in the water at Mount Olivet? And you might be asking yourself, as we were placing the water on Braden's head, what is in the water? Let me tell you what's in it. Grace, healing, forgiveness, new life, and most of all, joy. Joy of God, the joy of God's grand grace, healing and forgiveness that moves us. So worship is not confined to these four walls, but rather it extends into every corner of Arlington, into every part of our lives. Joy that changes the way we view one another. Joy that compels us to acknowledge and honor the imago Dei-ness, the image of Godness that lives in each of us. Joy that flips our attention away from the world's distractions so that we are laser-focused on the unwavering love of God. The psalmist tells us the only thing we can do with the joy we have from God is to rejoice. The psalmist writes, My heart is glad and my soul rejoices because of the constant, unwavering, nothing we can do about it, presence and love of God. So, today, our Easter celebration continues with word, with song, and with sacraments. The joy of the Lord is here, giving us new birth into a new living hope. A hope that is full of joy.